Hello, Stephen Allen here. Why not follow me on Twitter, at Mr. Stephen Allen? Uh, what we're doing, meanwhile, this, that's a different thing. What we're doing right now is a podcast of some of the sketches I've done through 2017. Here's February. The 1st of February can mean only one thing. What? January has ended. You're a genius. No, it's important because it means the end of dry January. And there are warnings that town centres could see revellers taking things a bit far this weekend. We're being warned to expect scenes of people leaving clubs, crying and being ill in the street. That's like what happens when people leave your stand-up gigs. Oi! That happened once. The thing is, it's not hard to think of a way to celebrate not drinking for a month, but it undoes all of that good work. You wouldn't do this. Hello, bakers. Hi. Oh, I'd like to order a cake for myself, please. OK, and what do you want the icing to say? Congratulations for sticking to the diet. Some people were so good at Dry January, they finished it early. The ironic thing is, Dry January was created by alcohol concern in a bid to get people to reflect on their drinking patterns. That means that, indirectly, alcohol concern are responsible for one of the biggest blowouts of the year. February also means the end of Veganuary, the campaign to get people to go without meat for a month. Are people planning a blowout for that too? Why, lads? So, round to mine, preload on some sausages, then it's into town, couple of cheeky steaks, and a keep it classic kebab on the way home. I haven't seen anyone who's done that, but then, if they had that much meat, they'd still be in the littlest room this early into Feb. It would make more sense to use dry January to free yourself of the urge to drink, to head into the next month without alcohol. And then you see what February has to offer. We've got a get through Valentine's Day. Yep, I'm going to need that drink. We keep getting those stats saying we spend 12 days a year queuing in traffic, two days on hold, over 300 days a year hearing about Brexit. Well, here's another one. We Brits spend, on average, 91 hours a year trying to get parked. It's getting on for four days. And it doesn't include the time people take when they have their parking space, but then they move forward a little bit, and they move back a little bit, and then they move forward a little bit more, and then they level it off moving backward, and then they go forward. Oh, I've hung paintings with less precision. And we've all thought of getting out of the car, giving them a tap on the window and saying, do you want me to do that for you? Don't risk it. I did that once. Turns out they weren't parking. They were just leaving. Had to work as their chauffeur for about three weeks. 91 hours a year. So across a lifetime, that is weeks of our lives. Think what you could do with that time if you weren't wasting it sat in a car. You could waste it sat on the sofa. Because let's be honest, that is what you'd do. But what can be done about this? To find out more, I'm joined by a spokesman from the UK branch of the Campaign for Regulated Available Parking. Or crap, well, what's in a name? Hello. Yeah, hello, Steve. So why is it so bad? Well, yes, we have a lot of cars all needing to fit in the same space. So the best thing is to park where no one else wants to go. Birmingham. No, Steve, but also we could solve this if people parked in a more considerate way. What we're saying is we don't want to live in a society where people think this car park is full pull down the barrier. Mm. How's your American branch doing? It's closed down, Steve. Yes. Yes, closed down. Good news, diners. A restaurant has opened where you can eat your meal underwater. Oh, those poor people in Cockermouth. No, no, this is meant to happen. You have your meal at the bottom of a swimming pool. And I thought I got a bad deal when they always sit me near the loos. It's called The Pearl, and you're five metres underwater. I must admit, whenever I've been out dining, I've never thought... Mm. You know what this place needs? Less breathable oxygen. Still, I've had some meals with the ex that had less atmosphere. I decided to give underwater dining a go and recorded this report. Yeah, I really should have gone to the official place rather than just try it at home. How did you breathe? Oh no, that wasn't my mouth. 
in the pool, you're actually in a spherical chamber where you eat. But even so, being underwater must change the dining experience. Would Sir like to choose the wine? Oh yes, uh, I quite fancy white wine. Do you have anything dry? You are having a flipping laugh, yes? I don't know why we're so bored with eating that we seem to love these novelty eateries. Personally, I don't want to have to go through a Veruca bath before I get to me dindins, but people seem to love it. Recently, we talked about the launch of a naked restaurant in London. I went to give that a try too, but due to a sat-nav mix-up, well, now I'm not allowed in a Harvester's. But what's wrong with just going to a restaurant not for the gimmick, but for the lovely food? Is it popular, though? Popular? It's been flooded. There's something different about today. Have you noticed? The roads feel quieter. The queue in the coffee shop moved more quickly. Maybe even your usual presenters on your local station's breakfast show somehow didn't turn up today. That's because today is National Sickie Day. Yes, yeah, another one of those days when the statistics people tell us what we're likely to do. So far this year, we've had the day we're most likely to have an affair, the day we're depressed, the day we're most broke, and now we throw a sickie. To be honest, your year has not got off to a good start. Experts say the sickie today will cost our economy economy around 40 million pounds. But so what? Everything costs our economy. The bankers had their fun with it. We take a vote and it gets a hit. Theresa May makes a speech and they have to bring out a new pound coin that's made of weaker metal. I don't think that's how that works. So why not enjoy your sickie day? The key is to make sure you do the call well. So here's my guide to making that sickie call. One, don't put on a croaky voice if it's not your voice that's meant to be ill. Hello, I can't come in, boss. Why not? I hurt my ankle. Then why? Why do you sound like that? Um, because I'm still with the bear that hurt it and I don't want to wake it up. Number two, don't aim too high with your made-up ailment. Nothing from the TV show House. Oh, I can't make it in today. I've got a touch of Hutchinson Guilford progeria. Because they might have seen House too. Isn't that a rare incurable disease? Yeah, I should be back in tomorrow. And most of all, whatever you do, do not actually be ill today. Because no one is gonna believe you. Do you know what the most upsetting part of the veg crisis has been? The facts I didn't notice till I saw it in the newspapers. But now it's got worse. We can't get broccoli spears. Which, by the way, how is that not one of the names of Britney's kids? It's basically like the Great Depression in America, which means get ready for some amazing literature. Twas the great veg shortage of 2017. Two men, George and Lenny, found themselves working in a supermarket to try to get by. The deputy manager was curly. Some said he kept his hand in a Vaseline-filled glove so as to touch the veg, but more likely, it was just eczema. One day, Lenny was in the staff room, and he looked in the fridge. He saw a courgette more beautiful than he'd ever seen. He hugged that veg so tightly. But Lenny was a strong man, in body if not in mind. He hugged it so hard that the courgette fell limp from Lenny's hand. George walked in and saw the post-it note that read, Curly's veg, do not eat. Oh, Lenny, said George, we'd best go for a walk down by the river. I'll need my pass so I can get back in, said Lenny. Don't worry about it, said George. But George, is we gonna grow alfalfa and live off the fat of the land? Grow your own veg, said George. Why, you really is stupid. Do you ever think, I wonder if I'm boring someone? Yeah, I do. Really? Well, that's good to know. Yeah, I often think, 
I wonder if Steve's boring someone. Oh, well, scientists could help. Well, scientists are even more boring, so you don't look that bad. No, they've invented a new device that you wear like a wristwatch, and it can monitor your heart rate, blood pressure, skin temperature, and somehow, from all of that, it can work out if you're being boring. Oh, apparently it can capture audio as well. Well, that makes more sense. If you're talking and your watch hears... Then it's a good guess that you're not thrilling. There must be some cues it can't spot. Like, you know someone at a party is bored talking to you when you notice that they're looking over your shoulder all the time? And I'm six foot two, so to look over my shoulder, they have to fetch a chair. So I notice these things. I've got one of them here, and if we just turn it on, and apparently it pings if you... Oh, there is a word... Oh, dear. No, it pings if... Oh, it pings if you're being really dull, and the... With this one, they, oh, 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 now the battery's gone. This one must be broken. No, you need to put it in DJ mode first. Makes it less sensitive. Oh, that makes sense. The trouble is, with any kind of modern fancy device that uses the latest technology, you know you're going to mention it. Have you ever met anyone with a Fitbit? Uh, yeah, and this is how many steps I've done today? Really? Yeah, I think I might do a few myself now. So if you have a watch that can tell you if you're being dull, you'll mention it to everyone. And guess what? You are. Because you're talking about your watch all the time. The Brexit vote went through, so I'm sure no one needs to mention that again. Donald Trump is settling in, so I'm sure that'll calm down. So now it's time to think about you. Valentine's is just around the corner. So for the single amongst us, we have only a few days to get someone who can buy us something nice. So I joined Tinder. I've been getting so many swipe lefts, it's given my profile pic a comb over. Instead, I might do what this woman did. Pauline O'Neill received a mystery gift. She opened it and read the note that said, You need a treat. And then she found out it was sent by her. She'd had a fair bit of red wine, didn't remember sending it. What a lovely way to send yourself a treat. She even wrote herself a note that said, Hey you, you need a treat, some downtime, so this should help you unwind. Oh, she's lovely. It's like back in my student days. I'd have a little drinky and wake up the next morning and, surprise, I'd got myself a traffic cone. I mean, I didn't really want one, but fair play, no one parked by my bed that night. So it worked. But if I could send myself something I wanted and then forget all about it, oh, what a great surprise. I mean, I can't condone drinking, but hypnosis could do this. I'd wake up on Valentine's Day, get the gift and think, oh, I don't know who sent me this, but they're in for a good time tonight. And then I'd find out it was me. But still, I'm a man of my word. I'd love to be put under, buy myself something I really wanted, leave it wrapped up in the cupboard when it comes, and then open it on Valentine's Day. Well, why don't you? Because deep down I know I really want a puppy. Oh, yeah. Ah, food experts are at it again. We've known for ages that things like salt are bad for us. Recently, we heard that overcooking potatoes will kill you. Eating the dark, crispy chips will trim years off your life. And this week, rice is full of arsenic. How can rice not be good for us? It's boring. I thought that was the rule. If something is bland, it's good for you. Kale is good for you. Drinking water is good for you. By that logic, listening to James Blunt must be full of vitamin D. You can't get blander than rice without just eating plain veg. And you can't do that because of the veg crisis. Vegetables are now so expensive, for Valentine's, some women will be asking for something that's 24 carat, and men will get them a big salad. So it's nice to hear this story of a great-grandmother called Jessie Prentice, who is 104 years old. She says the secret to long life is eating a bar of chocolate every day. Come on! To find out more, I'm joined by an expert. So, chocolate will make me live longer. Well, a sample of one, statistically, doesn't really mean much. But she lived a long time. All we need to do is find one person who ate chocolate and died young to 
unpick this whole anecdotal data. Oi, are you 104? No. Well, respect your elders. Well, I am an expert. I think the British people are sick of experts. If you really believe that, the next time you're ill, don't see a doctor. Go and get a checkup from a man down the market. You're saying I should listen to experts? Yes. When it comes to food? Oh, no, not in that case. No, food experts think that rice is bad for you. We have to take what they say with a pinch of salt. Oh, I thought that was bad for us. What are the lottery numbers this week? 15, 18, 23, 42, 43 and 52. Ah, my favourite vital statistics. 15, 18... Yes! Have you won? No, I didn't get a single number. Well, why are you so happy? Well, Britain's youngest Euromillions winner, Jane Park, has said that she wants to sue the lottery organisers because winning it has made her life ten times worse. She was just 17 when she won the money, so she was young and rich. Ah, the poor thing. In 2013, she won £1,000,000. I was kind of expecting more. That's like that moment in Austin Powers. You're going to have to pay me one million (laughs) dollars. What could you do with a million pounds? By the time I've paid off my mortgage, cleared my credit cards and sorted out my blackmailers, well, I wouldn't have enough left to buy a jar of Marmite. She said she feels stressed and that her life is empty and she often wishes she didn't have the money. As they say, money can't buy you happiness. But I'll tell you what else can't buy you happiness. No money. I've also tried club card points, stamps on coffee cards, but none of it can buy you happiness. In an interview, she said, People look at me and think, I wish I had her lifestyle. You feel empty and stressed. I do have your lifestyle. She said she can't find a boyfriend because she can't be sure they don't only want her for her money. But we're men. Wanting you for your money would require having a two-track mind. So now she wants to sue the organisers. And I hope she loses. Oh, that's mean. No, no, it's not. Because if she wins, she'll be awarded damages. That extra money would make her life even worse. First the tube strikes, rail strikes, and now the postmen are on strike. No, they're not. But this morning I didn't get any... Oh, never mind. Well, I won't let my situation affect this item today. So it's Valentine's Day, the day of love, my little petit déjeuner. The first day of the year when those in love give up the diets and get some chocolate. The rest of us sad, lonely people have to wait till Easter, and that keeps moving round. And what can the news tell us about this romantic time? Let's have a quick roundup, my little petit bois. Experts predict that spending for Valentine's will be down 7% this year. That's either because of the worries in the economy, or maybe people are just 7% less worth it. As the world's population goes up, you know, supply and demand, there are more people to choose from. Still, I won't let it get me down. Elsewhere in Valentine's news, my little kilo de pêche. A woman is in the news because she kept her husband's last Rolo for 33 years after he gave it as a sign of their love on Valentine's Day. Yeah, I never understand anyone who can have chocolate in the house and not eat it. Still, it's not looking in great shape, probably not edible now, but ah, what a perfect symbol for their love, rotting and past its best. I know, I'm sorry, I won't let it get to me. Right, elsewhere in Valentine's news, my little syndicate initiative. Pakistan has banned Valentine's Day with all celebrations in public places blocked and media urged to stop covering any celebrations of love. You gonna be negative about this one? Nope, I like this one. Happy Valentine's Day. A bank has announced that customers will be able to make transactions using their voice, which is more than I managed to do in some restaurants. Is uh, ready to order? Yes, I'll have the Truitt Oaks Amandas et 
mugged, I'll just have a plate of chips. Well, now a bank will let you speak into your smartphone using some kind of app and it will recognise your voice. Only if it hears your voice will it allow the payment, which means John Coleshaw is about to be raking it in. And back in the day, everyone could do an impression of John Major, so he'd best stick to banking in branch. There's something I think we should look out for. If I want to operate my assistant on my phone, I have to say, OK, Google. But when I was travelling, I was picking a dessert in Austria and I said, OK, strudel. It still did it. And those people who prank bars by calling up and saying, Could you tell me if Mr. Butts is there? Uh, first name Seymour. Uh, Seymour Butts? I want to see more Butts. Those people will be after your money. I want to find out if my sister's there. Her name is May. Surname Kerpayment. May Kerpayment? I want to make a payment voice recognition has not always been great. I once told an automated cinema line, I want to see Finding Dory in Ashford. And it said, You want to see Iron Man in Hull? How are you hearing that? They say it will be like a real banking experience. I've got a little demo here, so let's give it a test. Hello phone, can I have an overdraft? No, nothing? Wow, that's exactly the response I get in branch. Recently, when I sat in for Jules on mid-morning, I was given some dating advice. Our expert said... You know, try and put aside the sarcasm, because that's not going to go down well with women. Oh, women don't like sarcasm. I never would have guessed. But I've been looking around for more dating tips on how to be a Mr. Lover Lover. And this story caught my eye. It's the story of boy meets girl, boy takes girl out for some drinks, girl says she doesn't want to go out again, so boy sends her an invoice for half the cost of the drinks. Ah, romance. 38-year-old Lucy Brown from London joined dating service and went out for a date with a man she met on there. Apparently the date went well, but she sent a text saying she didn't want to see him for a second date. So he replied asking for £42.50 for her half of the drinks. I wonder why he's single. I mean, if you only want to save half the money, take her on a date during happy hour. Or buy the drinks in a supermarket and take her on a date in the car park. I wonder why you're single. He even put his bank details at the bottom of the message. And she actually paid. Typical, isn't it? He does that and gets his money. I've been as polite as possible to that Nigerian prince and yet he's still dragging his heels. No one's saying the man should always pay, but split the bill in the moment. That's different to claiming for money back after. That's like filing for expenses. So watch out. If you date an MP, you might end up having to buy them a moat for their duck house. And count your lucky stars, at least you found out that you're not right for each other after just one date. Much worse if you found out after years after you got married, and then you'd have to buy her a house. But I want to say thank you to him though, because after hearing about him, women might not mind someone who's a little bit sarcastic. Life must be so confusing to young people these days. When we talk about the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, they think you're saying he's called Justin and then you agree with yourself. Yeah, that's Justin. Trudeau. Yeah, that is Trudeau. Then to confuse young folk even more, we hear they're bringing back the Nokia 3310. Most of them have no idea what one is. So I'm joined by a young person now to try and explain it. Hello. Yeah, whatever. Lovely. So this is the 3310. Have you seen one of these before? Yeah. Good. It was in like a black and white film, innit? Okay. Uh, well, this was a phone that meant we didn't have to use a landline. What's a landmine? No, landline. That's a phone that's connected to the wall by a wire. That's like my iPhone, because it always needs charging, yeah? Well, no, this is a mobile phone that lets you phone someone. What? You can call someone. Like voice chat in WhatsApps? Like that, but you just call the person. Nah, I, I don't get ya. Okay, well, how about this? You can send someone a text message. Like in Messenger? Again... 
You don't need an app. It's just the phone does it. Although it is limited to 160 characters. Oh what? No way. That's plenty. Donald Trump is governing a nation using Twitter, and that's only 140. No, I ain't using no old phone from the 70s, though. You have no idea, do you? I ain't never heard of your old phone. Old phone. This was a classic. It had a battery life of days. A phone you don't have to charge twice a day. Now I know you was making this up. I's out of here. Oh, but Trudeau, call me. This time next year, Rodney, will be millionaires. My name's not Rodney. Isn't it? You know, I never thought to ask. But I've got a scheme that'll make us rich. Walk with me. Harrods have started selling bottles of water for £80. Now, when you first hear that, you think, oh, the pounds drops again. But no, it's actually £80 per bottle. That is really expensive, unless you're in a motorway services. Turns out it's not just any water. This water is from icebergs. Are you thirsty? Thirsty. But need more than just a drink. Drink, drink. Healthy, pure water that also gives you a sense of guilt for taking the polar bear's habitat away. Then you need iceberg water. The claim is that the water in these bergs was frozen before the industrial age, so it can't have any of that pollution caught in it. Because if there's one thing that is ruining the health of the UK, it's not the red meat, trans fats, sugar, salt, no, it's the water we're washing it down with. And to be fair, if you only drank iceberg water, you probably would lose weight. But that's because at 80 quid a drink, you wouldn't have enough money left to buy food. Forget the fact that we can easily purify and deionize water. Why not drink icebergs? I mean, the only time that would actually be a good idea is on the Titanic if you were quick about it. So how does that help us make money? Here's the plan. There are clearly some with too much money and no idea about how to spend it. And if we can get them to pay for something that is totally worthless, we'll be quids in. Uh, I think you already do that with your contract with the BBC. Oh yeah. I'd just like to say congratulations to the happy couple in the news, Lynn Gology. And? No and. She's the woman who's marrying herself because she's given up looking for Mr. Right. Well, you should do that. I was never looking for Mr. Right. No, you should marry yourself. Well, I think it's a great idea. She's a genius. When you've been to all of your friends' weddings, it's about time they repaid the favour and bought you a toaster. In fact, in many ways, marrying yourself is better than marrying someone else. You get the wedding gifts, but you don't have to share them with some moody woman who keeps saying, when do I get my visa? You what? Don't ask. You don't have to compromise. You don't have any in-laws and the wedding night okay technically you can't consummate it but i could take my own hand in marriage this bride-to-be lynn gology is that a real name lynn gology i think i did a gcse in that it's a shame she's not marrying someone else she could have taken their name anyway she's booked a venue booked the honeymoon not letting herself see the dress before the big day might be tricky and the ceremony might be odd and now you may face away from the congregation and wrap your arms around your side so it looks like you're snogging someone. And I'm sure her parents will still be annoying one week into being married to herself and they'll be dropping hints about grandchildren. But it's a nice idea. Well then why don't you do it? Mm, I know what I'm like. With my fear of commitment, I'd propose to myself but probably turn myself down. And then it'd be awkward because we live together and it would be bad if we didn't speak. Do you often talk to yourself? Yeah, more often than some people realise. Oh, sorry. I'm just um, just eating a pie. Well, it worked for Wayne Shaw. In case you don't know, he's the Sutton United roly-poly goalie who got in trouble for eating a pie on the bench. He's now quit. <laughs> he's got egg on his face. 
and crust. And is that gravy? Anyway, I'll stop eating now. Talking with your mouthful sounds terrible, and the BBC is already in enough trouble. There have been complaints about the TV show SSGB because the actors were mumbling. Some said the show was inaudible. Let's hear a clip. It's terrible. It's not the first time people have complained about mumbling on shows, and if you turn it up so you can hear the quiet dialogue, the next scene normally has some kind of explosion. Then your neighbours come round to make sure you're okay. Mumbling TV is relatively a new thing. Thankfully, it would have ruined some classic moments in broadcasting history. Some of the crowd are on the pitch. Oh, they think it's all over. <laughs> is it? Is it over? Is it done? I think the Germans are still playing. Was it was only a small step. What, getting to the moon? They must have faked it if they only needed a small step to get there. Read my lips. Well, it's a good job I can read lips, because I can't hear a word of that. But the TV show SSGB has annoyed people with its quietly spoken words. And to find out more, I'm joined by a spokesman for the BBC. So, what do you have to say? <laughs> yep, should have seen that coming. Did you see it on the TV last night? Strange sights, totally not of this world. The Brits, that's how young people dress these days. No, not the Brits. The bigger news. They found more planets that could sustain life. Oh. What do you mean, oh? This is massive. A NASA spokesperson and relative of Officer Crabtree from a lower low said, I'm excited to announce today that three of these planets are in the habitable zone. Three? <laughs> They're like buses. You wait 13.8 billion years and three come along at once. What is a habitable zone. Where liquid water can pool on the surface. There's usable water. That means they don't have privatized water companies on that planet. Finding a second Earth is not just a matter of if, but when. This news changes everything. We've only just found these planets that could sustain life, and yet already there's three Starbucks that have opened there. We don't know if they'll have life forms, but at that distance away from Earth, they'll probably be Man United fans. Donald Trump has said he's going to build a wall to keep those aliens out, and he's going to get the aliens to pay for it. And that's not the oddest thing he's done this week. To find out more, I'm joined now by a space person. Uh, uh, hello, Steve. I'm an astrophysicist. Oh, calm down. It's not rocket science. So how do we get people there? We don't. It's 40 light years away. Oh, we could send people to colonize. Won't be easy, but like in the film The Martian, Matt Damon grew potatoes in his own poop. We could send 100 people and they could do the same. No, Steve. That kind of workload could finish Matt Damon off. Experts have looked at the dirtiest thing in the office. Mark from accounts? No, not that kind of dirty. Dirty is in covered in germs. Oh, so Deborah from accounts? No, things in the office. Experts have studied the worst offenders that could be making you ill. So, if you're going near an office at any point, watch out for... Desks! More than 10 million germs can be found on the average work desk. That means your desk has 400 times more bacteria than a toilet seat. That's why I move my laptop into the gents. It's cleaner and I don't have to take toilet breaks. Also watch out for... Pens. The reason that pens are bad for your health is because people chew them. So the germs from people's hands mix with the germs from their mouths. Ugh. Basically, it's like sucking the fingers of everyone in the office. And HR frown upon that, it turns out. Up next... Keyboards. Ah! Rick Wakeman makes one heck of a din with... What's that? Oh. Computer keyboards. Ah! 
packed with skin cells, food residue and sweat, a keyboard boasts more than 3,295 bacteria per square inch. They say you should wipe a cloth across your keyboard twice a week. That'll make you type utter rubbish on the screen. That's how you type your newspaper columns. Also, the printer. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't worry. The printers here never work, so you're not going to catch much from them. But the worst thing for our health in the office is missing off this list. Surely it has to be the boss wanting us to do overtime. Ah! A fantastic weekend of sport. I didn't know you were into sport. Well, neither did I till recently. I was sad to hear about the Pygate Club, Sutton United. They had to play without a proper goalkeeper on Saturday because they lost their roly-poly goalie last week. When the actual keeper was injured, they didn't have him sat on the bench, ready to put his pie down and join in. You see, this is why you shouldn't eat processed food. A lot of people were upset that a man, a dedicated man, could lose his job because he was caught up in Pygate as his supporters chanted... It wasn't a pie, it was a pasty. It's nice that even in the unhealthy community, they have their version of, technically, that's a fruit. Last week it seemed like a trivial story, but this weekend it affected an actual game. That upset me. It's not just me. Gary Lineker gave his support to the goalie, but then when it comes to sports people eating snacks that aren't good for you, it's not like Lineker has got a leg to stand on. The defender, Simon Downer, had to go in goal because they couldn't use their stand-in, Wayne Shaw. I don't know what he was doing when the game was on, but... I'm sure he was in training. Sorry, did I say training? I meant Greg's. It wasn't the eating of the pasty that was the issue. Looks like it wasn't the first time he had a carb-heavy snack. Probably only sat there because he heard it was called the subs bench and thought that was a sandwich. But it was the bet that was linked to it. But even though he didn't play this weekend, I'd like to say thank you for turning me into a sportsman. Do you play football then? No. Did you join a gym? No, no. But what do you do? I eat a lot of pies. Come on. Let's have a little look in my fan mail post bag. This one says, and the winner is Moonlight. I don't think that was meant to be sent to me. Yeah, I wasn't going to talk about the mix-up of the Oscars. Warren Beatty said that La La Land had won the best picture, but then realised it went to Moonlight. You know, some famous rich people didn't get an award and some others did. It's really not that much of a story. It could have been a lot worse. Warren Beatty could have opened the envelope and said, And the winner is, you have been entered into a Reader's Digest prize draw. And there are now conspiracy theories that have been hitting the internet. To find out more, I'm joined by my entertainment news correspondent, Larry. Hello. Hey, Stevie. So what's the latest? It wasn't Warren Beatty's fault. The accountancy firm who count the votes, Price Waterhouse Cooper, have taken responsibility. Well, you can't expect accountants to count things, can you? It's not known what went wrong, but there's a chance that some of the votes were moved offshore for tax reasons. Seems likely. There's an online video from PwC talking about the voting system. People say it's the best-kept secret in Hollywood. I guess I'd say it's probably the best-kept secret in the world. Such a well-kept secret that they didn't even tell Warren Beatty. Still, I think the cast and crew of La La Land dealt with the situation in a reasonable way. Yeah, if ever there's a bunch of people who could have made a big song and dance out of something. There are claims that Donald Trump was the one who swapped the cards in the envelopes so that people would stop talking about him in the news. No, to swap the cards without tearing the envelopes, you'd have to have really small hands. Thank you very much for listening. Subscribe to the podcast. Search in your podcast app for Steve N. Allen's Week. Till next time, we'll do March next. Surprise, surprise. Bye.